You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Good morning, everyone. And if you're watching Grace Online, we're glad that you're able to join us wherever you are in the world today. Uh, if you don't know, we, if you weren't here last week, we have just started this series called Making Change. And one of the things that we felt uh, this year that we wanted to address is the area of finances. Now, some people are like, okay, good, we're going to talk about fi- finances and talk about money. Other people are like, why do we have to talk about money in the church? And I just kind of want to challenge you on that because, you know, here... The concept of discipleship is not some kind of lofty ideal. Discipleship occurs at the very practical level. And money is a reality in our world. You can't do a lot of things. In fact, there's a number, most things you can't do without some level of money. Ministry requires money. Your personal life requires money. Businesses require money. It's a very tangible and very real thing in our lives today. And if we get down to it, if you look at the word, Jesus talks about money quite a bit. So we need to learn the discipleship and the stewardship of money, those things at which God has given us. Because remember, you can't take it with you. Everything that we have in this world today is temporary because the fact is when we die, we go just ourselves. We don't take anything with us. And that, you know, that, that is our reality. So we need to learn to steward what it is that God has given us and steward it well. So we want to talk about that. It's a value here at Grace Covenant, and it's something that we want to instill as a value in everyone that walks through the doors. So we're going to talk about the issue of finance today, and in this series, Making Change. Now, last week, Pastor Farrell talked about less is more, talking about the concept that our world today says that you have got to, you know, what you have, how much money you make, the toys that you have, they define who you are, and they define your measure of success. You've all seen the bumper sticker that says, he who dies with the most toys wins. That, you know, and that's not true because you know, I'm not sure what it is you thought you won. But the thing is, it talks about this whole culture of you've got to have more. You've got to accumulate more. You know, if we don't have enough room to store it in our house, we were in a storage unit in order to store everything that we have. We're never, ever really satisfied. But what I find interesting is that there's actually a movement in the world that's kind of realizing, hey, that's not necessarily true. How many of you watch HDTV and looked at the, the tiny house show that they have there? Okay, so you, you number of people that are recognizing that, you know what, when we just kind of get rid of stuff, we find that there's a freedom in it. Now, I'm not sure what kind of freedom they're experiencing when they decide that they're going to move four people into a 300-square-foot house with a composting toilet. I think conditions at Guantanamo Bay are better than that. I consider that torture. I love my wife, but there's no way that that would work in our marriage. We've got to have room here. But you get the concept of going, we don't have to have all this stuff. In fact, we know that there's a level of freedom that we experience when we get rid of it all. We have more financial freedom. We have just more freedom to do things throughout the day. We don't have to take care of all that stuff. That We don't need that much space to live. You know, who says, that, who says that two people need several thousand square feet of home to live in? Now, I'm not saying that if you have that, that that's wrong. You know, you've got to determine what your situation is. But it's the whole less is more. That getting back to the basics and understanding that, you know, we don't have to have what our culture dictates. Today, we're going to be talking about stress is bad. The following week, we're going to be talking about giving is good. And then the next week, we're going to be talking about tomorrow matters. So I want you to walk through this. Say it after me because you've got to understand these four principles. We have less is more. Say it. Less is more. Stress is bad. Giving is good. 
Tomorrow matters. Okay, you've got to walk out of here with those four principles. If you don't learn anything through the series, you need to learn these four statements here that you can recall to memory and understand how it defines your financial future. So today we're going to be talking about stress is bad. Now, who has ever said, you know what? This debt in my life has made my life so much fuller. It's made it so much richer. I feel blessed. No one has ever said that. No one will ever say that. Because debt is something that causes stress within our life. It causes stress within our marriages and our relationships. You know, the two things that people will argue about the most, one is family and the other is money in a marriage. Those are the two, one of the two major sources of stress within a marriage. That money presents, if it's not managed well, or if you're going through a situation that wasn't, of your, wasn't your fault. Now, some people are experiencing debt because they had some kind of catastrophic event happen in their life, and it was something that's unplanned, and those things happen. And we're not talking about you know, debt that comes upon us necessarily like that, although it still is a bondage. It still is an enslavement. It still is something that is oppressive. Because if you know, and we've also been deceived that in our culture it's normal to have debt. Well, how much debt do you have? Oh, I can beat that. I got twenty thousand dollars more debt than you. Oh, well, look at you. What? But debt is something that you you know, when you get out of college, you're expected to have debt. When you you know, uh, that when you reach a certain point in your life, whatever, yeah, you're gonna always carry some measure of debt. So you just have to get used to it. Our culture has defined it as normal when it's not. If you look at Scripture, all the way from the very beginning, going back to Genesis, we're talking about the year of Jubilee where every seven years that everything is just wiped clean, the slate is wiped clean, debt is canceled, property is returned, slaves are freed. God is really committed to making sure that no one lives under that type of bondage. Do a study about money and Proverbs, and you'll see how he talks about that the rich are not to lend money to the poor and charge interest, because it puts them in, that is, enslaves their situation even more. That God does not want us to live under that kind of enslavement and that kind of bondage. Proverbs 22.7 says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a servant to the lender. <laughs> now that word servant really is talking more about enslaved. That you are enslaved to the lender. Every time you write that check, every time that you've got to send that payment to that debt, do you feel free? Do you feel as though that that person doesn't own you? It's, it's the thing, because the reality is that if you go into default, if you miss too many payments, if, 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 you, if you default on the loan or, what, or the credit card, then they can either go and repossess whatever it is that you put up for collateral or you can get a bad credit rating, you have collectors coming after you, that the fact is, is that you're not free until that is paid off. But Matthew 25, 21 says that you have been faithful in a, with a few things, I will put you in charge of many. The concept is that some of us are crying out, Lord, you know, just I pray for more, I pray that it would be more blessing. But God is going to be asking you, but how are you stewarding what you have now? Because I have to make sure that you are able to steward the little that I have given you so that I can entrust you with more in the future. And if you haven't nailed down that principle, the likelihood of your situation improving is going to be challenged. That there is a stewardship principle that's in play. So if we're talking about, you know, stress is bad, and that debt causes a lot of that stress, then how do we dig out of debt? 
The first thing is that we practice self-control. Proverbs 25, 28 says, Like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. Self-control is a concept that does not exist in our society today. We are a culture of instant gratification. I have to have it now. I want it now. I should have it now. I'm entitled to have it now. Just look at some of the things that we do. Let's talk about Amazon Prime. Okay? I have a membership. But anyway, let's talk about Amazon Prime, where I don't want to wait four days for my book or whatever it is I've ordered to arrive. I want it in two. Why should I have to wait four? I want it in two. In fact, two is actually kind of long. I don't understand why we can't have overnight delivery. But now they have this magical thing since they've opened up a center near Charlotte to where you can get same-day delivery. That if you order something at 11 o'clock in the morning, it'll be on your doorstep probably about 6 o'clock that evening. It's magical. (laughs) I can order something, but here's the catch. You have to spend at least $35. So if I order a $25 item, a little thing pops up and says, for $35, you can get it tonight. Well, I should have it tonight. (laughs) I need it tonight. Those T-shirts need to arrive tonight. Whatever it is. So, okay, I can tack on 10 more dollars and get it there. But that's, that's where we are. We should not have to wait for anything. Look at the concept as far as even, <clears throat> no, we don't want to wait in line. I can order my drink from Starbucks on my app and just walk in and pick it up from the counter and just bypass everybody and go, suckers. <laughs> <laughs> I can order my sandwich and have it ready to pick up. I don't want to have to wait in line for everything. It, the, you know, amusement parks are now charging this thing where uh, a fee for if you don't have to, you don't want to wait in line, you can pay a fee and get a fast pass or whatever it is. And so that you, you, don't, you don't have to wait, for, wait for, uh, for the next ride. And I'll tell you if it's July in Orlando at Disney World, it's well worth the money. You might want to invest in that. But we don't want to wait in line for anything. Even the whole concept of self-checkout, which is a lie. That is the biggest scam in America today. And I personally feel that it should carry a minimum of a three-year minimum sentence in a federal penitentiary if you don't know how to go through a self-checkout line. (laughs) I am that guy that will get behind you and like, oh, come on. We don't have to wait because we we don't want to have to wait because we want it now. We have no concept of what it means to wait for something. Do you know that you know, even our streaming services, we got Netflix, we got Hulu, we got all this stuff there, because I don't want to wait for next week for my show. I want to pay the fee so I can binge watch it for 10 hours on a Saturday afternoon and then get upset because I've got to wait for the next episode when it comes out finally uh, for the next season. Do you know that 40% of the people, a survey was done, 40% of people will abandon a website if it takes three seconds or longer to load. 47 expect it to load in two seconds or less. I want to take everybody back to 1995 with dial-up and AOL. You want to talk about waiting for a website to load. If it had a graphic on it, you're like, oh, come on. 
and it just pixelated line by line, like some kind of typewriter. You go, what is it? Is it a bunny? I don't know. I gotta wait five minutes here. Yeah. We're the only generation that will tap its foot at a microwave. Come on, it should be hot already. It's been a minute. Why does it take so long? But this concept is actually just putting us in bondage because the thing is, we don't have to wait. We don't want to have to wait to purchase anything. We can get it now. You can walk into a department store or any store. Every store has basically got a credit card of their own. I can't go through a checkout and say, would you like to apply for our credit card? Like, no, please don't. But you'll save 20%. Yes, I know I'll save 20% on this $10 shirt, which you would charge me 24% interest on, you know, in order to finance that. But that's the thing is that we want it now. It gives you immediate access, even though if you don't have the money. The nation's average credit score last year was 673, which is rated fair. Actually, it's just a little bit above poor. Everyone's credit is basically fair because they have too much line of credit out, they have too much debt, they miss too many payments, that there's a number of things that have contributed to a bad credit score in their history. Last year, the average credit card debt was $16,000 per person, meaning the average individual is walking around with $16,000 in credit card debt. That's $16,000 that most people are making the minimum payment on at probably anywhere from 20 to 30% interest, depending upon the card. <coughs> so we've got this concept that I don't want to have to wait. Next, there's this get-rich-quick co- concept. Proverbs 13.11 says, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. God has a concept of increasing our wealth little by little because he's building in us character. That God entrusts us with little bit by little bit as we continue to show ourselves faithful and we build that character, he knows he can trust us with more. So many people are like, oh, Lord, Jesus, I pray over this lotto ticket. I pray that I would win because I will give half of it to you. I will give another 10% to the church. I will feed orphans. I will bless the homeless. I will do everything. If you just let me win this lotto. The reality is, is that if you're not doing it now, you will not do it then. If you don't have the character to steward what it is that you have right now, if God were to bless you with some large sum of uh, uh, money, then you would not have the character to, to deal with it then. There's a great example named uh, Billy Bob Harold Jr. In 1997, he won $31 million with uh, the lottery. He was broke within 20 months. He quit his job at Home Depot. He donated tens of thousands of dollars to his church. Now, catch the math on that. That's not quite up to par, but we'll talk about that later. Um, He bought houses and cars for his friends. He donated 480 turkeys to charity. He went into lavish spending, got all this unwanted attention, and he had to change his phone number several times after strangers called to demand donations or get him involved in schemes. After a year winning the lottery, he separated from his wife, and then two years later, he committed suicide. And shortly before he committed suicide, he told his financial advisor that winning the lottery is the worst thing that ever happened to me. 
Here we have the concept of someone that I don't even know how you begin to lose $31 million within 20 months, less than two years. But that's what happened in this situation. If we don't have the concept of stewarding what God has given us, we're not going to have the ability to carry that out if he were to bless us with more. If you live like no one else, then one day you can give like no one else. Meaning that if you establish habits now, you establish principles now, you make the sacrifice now, then you will be able to live the life that you say that you aspire to down the road. That you'll be able to bless those that you want to bless. That you'll be able to have the finances and the freedom to possibly enter into some level of ministry or enter into some venture that God would have for you in the future. But you have to position yourself now for that. And you have to steward what God has given you in this process. So we have to understand this the concept of... <clears throat> That we need to practice self-control, number one. Number two is that we need to gain financial understanding. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. First of all, a lot of people are never even taught how finances work. They may not naturally be good with numbers, but some, many people have not even been taught how to deal with finances. You know, uh, the church that I came from in uh, Pennsylvania... It was a more of an urban inner city culture. And then a number of people there didn't even have checking accounts because didn't even understand the concept of what the value of that was. Just take your paycheck, go to a paycheck cashing center, and they'll cash your check, but of course they're going to charge you a fee. They're like, here's the money that you've earned, and you're going to pay somebody to give it back to you. And a number of uh, agencies and ministries are there. One of the first things they do is say, okay, let's sit down and help you to understand what a checking account is and know that you can freely deposit your money in there and have access to it. There's some, uh, even, uh, there's some at that level. But there are a number of people at different levels of going, I don't understand how to buy a home. I don't understand, you know, I don't understand what's necessary involved in buying a car. How many of you remember back in the uh, 80s and 90s the, the Yugo car line that came out. It was a Yugoslavian car line that for some reason hit it for a brief period of time here in the country. If you ever rode in one of those, your life was in danger. It was basically a coffee can on a roller skate. <laughs> I, I, seriously, if you, if you even had a fender bender, you, it was a fatal crash. I don't understand how it even passed safety standards. And I laughed at people that you know, got those cars. And then uh, America had its own answer to it and came out with the Geo line. How many of you remember Geo? Yeah, yeah, okay. It was about the same. It was our, it was our answer to Yugo, basically. And, of course, I bought one. This, I bought it in Colorado, and so at that time didn't need air conditioning in it. This car had three cylinders, so I don't know why I bought this car in the mountains of Colorado. It was just, you're just going up a mountain, you're just, praise Jesus, help it, please, please, help it, help it, help it, Jesus, yes. It's just, it, it, it struggled. So, this car didn't have air conditioning, and then I moved to Nashville in July. And realized this is just not going to work. So, I drove onto a car lot. And I thought, well, I'll just check out and see how much it costs to get air conditioning put in. Then I thought, well, I wonder how much cars with air conditioning are. 
And then this guy, car salesman, saw me from a mile away because I just know I screamed fresh meat. And he had his shirt, you know, one the stereo, I mean, he was just a stereotype. His shirt unbuttoned down to here, the gold chain. Like, hey, how you doing? How you, can I help you there? I'm like, okay, sure, show me a car. And he talked with me, and then three hours later, I drove off the car lot with a brand new car. I didn't even intend to buy one. I drove off with a brand new Geo Metro. <laughs> I tra- traded in my Geo Metro for a Geo Metro uh, with air conditioning. Still, it was a roller skate on wheels. And so I, but here's the deal, though, is that I came out and I financed through the dealer. And I bought everything that they had to offer. Anti-corrosion, um, you know, if you lose your job, we'll make a payment for you. I mean, whatever it was, kind of any incentive they had. I'm like, sure, I'll check the box and sign. And <clears throat> I didn't know. Nobody had ever told me that you could haggle on the price, so I paid full sticker price. So by the time it was all over, and this is back in the early 90s, I paid over $20,000 for this three-cylinder toy. <laughs> and so, but the thing is, no one had ever taught me about what it was to buy a car and what was involved in that. I didn't know you could haggle. I didn't know that that was, was expected. I just looked at the sticker and said, sure, I'll take it, and drove off the lot for it. But there are a number of people that don't even have, don't have those concepts. They, they don't have that understanding of that stewardship. And what it means to get involved with that. Many parents don't teach basic financial principles to their children. My parents, they gave me an allowance. But what they did is that they allowed me to borrow on that allowance. So, oh, mom, can I have the, can I have next week's allowance? Sure, go ahead and take it. Mom, can I have the next two weeks allowance? Yeah, okay, sure, fine. Thing. And they basically taught me, oh, wow, credit is good. All I have to do is ask for the money that I'm going to get in the future. And I can go ahead and get that. So, out of college... You don't know that when you go through registration line you get, and you come out of the registration process and everything out of college, there's this whole almost fair waiting for you at the other side of that. And they've got all these booths set up, and most of them are basically banks with credit cards offering to all the college students. And they'll say, we'll give you a $500, we'll give you a $1,000 credit limit. Just sign right here, run a quick credit report, and you're good to go. You've got $1,000 accessible to you at any point in time. And nobody's stopping to ask and going, yes, but none of them have jobs. They're all in school right now, and mommy and daddy is paying for most of it. Or either student loans paying for most of it. But learning to rack that up, that's basically what I did. And the challenge with me is that I am one of those, you know, I love good marketing. I, I, I just absolutely love it. I'm one of those people that I like to see good branding and good product uh, endorsement and stuff. Anything it just intrigues me, interests me. But I'm also one of those guys that you could take a small little box of manure and tell me that it has rejuvenating properties and it is a fountain of youth, and I will be like, oh yes, <laughs> oh this is awesome. Can I get on the monthly subscription? I am that guy. I well, am a sucker for marketing. So I married my wife, who in marriages put uh, the polar opposites. I mean, extreme opposites. Because I'm coming in and going, I think spending is a spiritual gift. 
I, I, I think I, I just, it's a blessing. And my wife is, you know, taught very, uh, was taught very well about how to steward finances, actually very frugal. Uh, she was brought up in a very frugal environment and taught the value of money and such. And so she met me and she's like, wow, what a train wreck. (laughs) And, but the thing is that, you know, I loved, I love to buy clothes and look at her closet and she's got like, okay, why is it I have more than you? I've got 10 times more shoes than you do and all that. She's like, I don't, I don't like, I don't like to shop. I don't like to go to the mall. I don't like buying clothes and like doing all that. It just, it stresses me out. I'm going, wow, it's rejuvenating for me. What are you talking about? (laughs) And so she, um, you know, one day shortly after we married, um, she said, you know what, I probably need to get some new shoes because when it's raining or it's wet outside, my feet get wet. Like, yeah, what are you talking about? I said, no, I mean, my feet are wet when I take my shoes off. I'm like, what? And so I said, take your shoes off. And took your shoe off and I picked it up and I looked at it, flipped it over and bent it. And it was cracked all the way to the lining on the inside on both pairs of shoes. I'm like, this is why your feet are getting wet. The, the water is coming through all that. So I basically, I said, okay, you're leaving the house now. This is not an option. You have to go to the mall and you have to go and buy two pairs of shoes. And she's like, okay, fine. She calls me after buying one pair of shoes. And it's like, can I please come home? I'm so tired. I don't want to do this. Like, no, I don't care if it's flip-flops. You're coming home with two pairs of shoes. But, but we've, you know, that's just how it's worked in our marriage where there's been that balance and such. And I've, obviously I've learned more from her than she has from me. But there, there's that principle of stewardship in coming to that. And the principle of, of understanding that, you know, there, there is a beauty in having that level of frugality. There's a beauty in uh, stewarding finances well. Because it gives you the freedom, it allows you the ability to, um, to do more of what God's called you to do living under that oppression. You know, saying that the average credit card debt is $16,000, if you look at this, if you pay $250, $250 a month on $16,000 at 19% interest, it will take 40 years to pay it off, and you will pay it over $105,000 in interest. That's making the, basically the minimum payment on a credit card at $16,000 in debt. And 19% is a lower option of interest rate for a credit card. It'll take you 40 years to pay it off. But if you invest it, if you invest $16,000 at 12% interest over 40 years, you will have over $1.5 million. If you invest $16,000 at 12% interest over 40 years and then add another two fifty dollars per month, you will have over $4 million. $4 million. But the principle of return when we are investing rather than taking obviously gives a greater result. So we need to get financial understanding. You know, this is opportunity too to where... You know what, if you lack that knowledge and such, and you haven't had that opportunity, you're not necessarily good with finances, then find somebody who is good with them. Get their counsel. That's why we're steering people towards groups. Get involved in a life group. Find people in that group that are better with money than you are. And humble yourself, submit themselves, say, hey, can you help me out? Can you help me to understand Hey, I'm about to buy a home. Is there something that I can, you know, that you experienced and that you've learned that would help me out as far as moving forward with that? Get a greater understanding, but get in community. Learn from others. It's so essential to what we're trying to do here at Grace. 
So we gain financial understanding and finally we make a plan. Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent leads to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Last year, the average household disposable income. Now this is the average. And I know the average is going to be more than some people make here today. But the average disposable income was over $41,000. That means that after you paid your mortgage, you paid all your bills and everything that was required, people had $41,000 left in disposable income. The average savings rate is 5.5% last year. That means that if you had $41,000 in disposable income last year, the average American only saved $2,200 of that disposable income. We've just become so accustomed to not even thinking long-term or thinking down that path. I, I even see it even generationally. I remember my grandfather who was a child of the Depression. And after he passed away and such, they started going through his things. And they began to find stuff like there's an electrical cord cut off from an appliance that he had rolled up and stashed away. And there was a number of things like that because the mentality was that you don't know if you'll need it in the future. So you, you, you cut it off and you save it. There might be a purpose for this down the road. You know, today, you know, if a toaster, my toaster gets a scratch on it, I'm like, oh, it's garbage. Throw it away. Let's get a new one. But that's the concept that we live under. That's, that, that, that's the mentality that we live under. And if you don't know how to do this, if you don't know have a plan, you don't know how to get a plan, then we have got an opportunity for you right now. Last week, we had kind of the, uh, the, the, the uh, presentation or such of Financial Peace University. It starts this week. I strongly encourage you that if you're in that situation where you need to get out of debt, you need to learn to steward your finances better, then you can still get involved in Financial Peace University starting on Wednesday nights. It's a 10-week course, and we have the kits available that are outside uh, those doors. Go and check it out and get signed up and get a plan for your finances and get a plan for getting out of debt. And here's, we're so committed to this at this church that here's what we'll do. It's a 10-week course. And the kit costs $93, and you purchase it. If you go to every single session, and hear me, you have to attend 10 of the 10 sessions, not 9 of the 10, but 10 of the 10 sessions, if you go to every single one, this church will reimburse you for the full cost of the kit. That's how committed we are to helping people get out of debt and find that level of financial freedom. If you are someone that actually is in a good place financially, you're looking at investing ahead, you're looking at leaving a legacy, uh, you know, inheritance and such for your kids, <coughs> or you're planning for something in the future, you probably want to get involved with uh, the, legacy, uh, the legacy journey which is made by Dave Ramsey as well. So get involved and get a plan for your future as far as, God's, as far as the finances that God's entrusted you with. You can wander into debt, but you can never wander out of debt. You can stumble into debt, but you can never stumble out of debt. It takes intentionality. It takes you being purposeful it takes you having a plan, and it takes you choosing to make the right decisions of being a good steward over what God has given you. So I want to encourage each and every person here today that, and as I said, I don't know your story, I don't know your situation, 
Some of it is the consequence of, yeah, you made poor financial uh, decisions. You, you, you made some choices that really weren't wise. But guess what? God is a forgiving and a redeeming God. It doesn't mean that you have to stay there. And it doesn't mean that you walk in a level of shame because guess what? We've all made foolish decisions. We've all made foolish choices. And as a result, but I know that God is a forgiving God and he redeems and he restores. And one day you can be on the opposite side helping to provide counsel and helping to provide guidance and encouragement for someone else that is in the situation that you are in today. So look at it with that future. And for those that are not, didn't ask for the situation, you've had some kind of event that's happened in your life to where you had to take out the money. You didn't have any choice or such. God can also redeem that as well. And God can provide a way out of that as well. But again, it takes a plan. And it takes some intentionality in walking it out. Don't be discouraged. Don't look at it and say, it's just too much. It's too big. I don't see how I can find a way out. Because the reality is that you can. So I want us to pray today. And I want us to really just consider what we've talked about. And to understand that God does not want us to live in this level of bondage and slavery. But he wants us to be free and to freely exercise and utilize whatever he's entrusted to us. For the purpose of his kingdom And he also wants to bless you as well. So, Father, we ask that you just show each and every one of us, God, areas of our lives where we need to be challenged to be better financial stewards of whatever it is that you've given us. God, I pray for those that are in debt, for those that are going through difficulty right now, Father, that, Lord, that you would not let shame keep them in bondage, but, Father, that you would shine through as a beacon of hope let them know there is hope and there is a way out of their situation. And that, Father, as they lean into you, as they humble themselves, as they move, as they walk forward in the purposes that you have for them, God, that there is freedom on the other side of that. And, Lord, for those that are going through a situation that they didn't ask for, that, that was put upon them, God, I pray that same hope, God, would rise up within them. And that they would walk out of here knowing that there's a way and that there's a plan. And God, that you have a purpose uh, in this journey. And God, that you have a purpose in refining character in each and every one of us. Through entrusting us with finances, property, with everything that you've given us. God, help us to be better stewards. Help us to be more responsible sons and daughters of your kingdom. So that we may have the freedom... Lord, to fully engage in what it is that you have for us and God, what it is for you have for this uh, Lake Norman area and God, what it is that you, that you have purposed in your kingdom. And Father, we ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.